Welcome to the CultureWise podcast, where God's good news meets the Latter-day Saints with wisdom and grace. Here we aim to discuss topics relating to how followers of Jesus can more effectively reach Latter-day Saints in their relational networks. For more information about this podcast, check out our pilot episode titled, What is this podcast about? My name is Daniel Shugart, and I'm joined today by Ross Anderson and Nate Fox. Today, we're going to continue our conversation with Nate Fox about how churches and individuals can best engage with Latter-day Saints in these recent years with the recent trends we've been talking about in the last podcast episode. And what, what we found, too, with the people who are coming through the doors, uh, like you said, we there's pretty much no way to, to measure people who are coming through the virtual doors, but the people who are coming through the doors have a familiar uh, conversation with us. It is, or a similar conversation with us, which is there's something more about Jesus that's mm-hmm. expressed here mm-hmm. uh, in, in the worship and the way we sing uh, as, as, uh, as, uh, the message as well. And, and so, uh, I wonder, you know, and like you said, it's anecdotal if, if there's people entertaining that because the common language with people coming through the doors is there was just more I wanted to find about Jesus that mm-hmm. I didn't fully grasp at the LDS yeah, church. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So here we're kind of in a bigger question of asking, what attitudes are shifting towards non-LDS Christian churches and how uh, I I think I've heard your story you shared. There was a friend who would rather his daughter attend your church than just not attend anything as she's questioning Mormonism. And then there's also this conversation of people who during COVID are, are not able to participate in their ward as much. And so they're checking out and they're almost destigmatizing some of these evangelical churches that they're watching the church service of. But what else? What are other ways that attitudes toward evangelical churches are shifting in recent years? That's a great question. And I think it that's an ongoing conversation that we're going to continue to have um, with the the multiple churches here in Utah that are specifically trying to reach uh, people who are leaving Mormonism. I, I think um, one of the things that I've noticed is we can start to have at least a little bit in the one-on-one conversations, a little bit more of a direct communication with people. Uh, for so long, the churches that I've been a part of and have associated with, I, I believe since the since the first wave of of church planters came to Utah and and really began to reach a lot of former LDS people, there was a an awareness that this culture has a sensitivity, um, kind of a a persecution complex that we had to be very careful about. And so the majority of churches that I know that reach LDS people. Uh, are very careful about the language that they choose, especially on a Sunday morning. Yeah, and and if if there is any direct conversation in in a in a secondary meeting on a Monday night, Sunday night small group, uh, it's it's usually couched with we don't really bring this up on Sundays because we don't we don't want to engage that larger audience 
and have it, them feeling like uh, they're being persecuted. Sure. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think uh, that's beginning to change. Uh, I think because everybody does know someone who's left the church and that becomes a bridge because I think there are more and more people that are willing to, to have a conversation about that person who's left and them having a, a faith in God and a faith in Jesus, even if it isn't the same exact mm-hmm. faith that they have yeah. as an LDS person. And so at least in our one-on-one conversation, there can be a little bit more of a direct approach of like, you know, we are here to reach people who've lost faith. And I, I think most of your your uh, devout LDS friends would go, that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Right. That makes perfect sense to me. I agree on that, Nate, because, you know, I've had these conversations where it's like, so a lot of a lot of a big part of what we do at Utah Advance has to do with helping people transition out of Mormonism into their into a Christian faith, uh, into a into a relationship with a Christian church. Right. So the faith after Mormonism piece of what we do, um, this question comes up pretty naturally on that. Like, why are you doing what you do? You know, and and I think it, it's been easy to say nowadays to say, look, a lot of a lot of people are leaving the LDS Church. Everybody recognizes that. They're leaving the LDS Church regardless of what I did, right? You know, and so isn't it better that um, that we can like not throw the baby out with the bathwater? Isn't it better that they would find a faith and they would pursue some kind of faith than no faith at all? Right. Like your like your friend was saying, and so we can we can have that conversation more and more. Say, look, look, I'm not. I haven't been attacking the LDS Church. Right. People are leaving anyway. Yes. Um, and so we're just trying to help people pick up the pieces. You know, in their life, and that so it's so it's I think a little easier to to have that language and and be be positioned in that place without being perceived as a quote anti Mormon, you know, trying to tear down the church the way that those things have been framed in the past. When I think a lot of that was framed because the majority of Christian ministries outside of the local church that was that came to Utah and specifically targeted LDS people. That's where that was the starting place. Yeah, it was. Yeah. How can we show that there's holes in in the LDS boat? Right, and that does feel like an attack to them, especially. No, but it would it feels it feel like, like an, an attack, attack to, to me. me. Yeah, I mean, He's, I've never yeah. been LDS, and I go, yeah. man, that that comes yeah. across pretty yeah, pretty sure. blunt. It really does. And and I it regardless. I mean, I grew up in the Midwest. Not a ton of LDS people there. As I share my faith with other friends who didn't know Jesus, uh, if you start with all the problems in their their life and their background, and y- it's not a winning conversation. Uh, you don't you don't uh, employ that typically uh, with with people that you truly care about and you really want to come to an understanding of the truth. You you start with with um, things that. Uh, are familiar? Sure, you might get uh, to the brokenness uh, and sin aspect. You you have to if you're presenting the gospel, uh, because that that's a necessary component uh, to understanding why there's a need for a savior, and uh, it's it's what Jesus did. It's how he did it with the woman at the well. 
but there's but there's not this like outright attack on their nominal Lutheranism or their right. nominal Catholicism. Right. You start with why the Pope's a mess. <laughs> You're not going to get very far typically. Sure. Yeah. I'm, you know. So I think it applies universally. <clears throat> yeah, it's really true. And I think. You know, you mentioned the private conversations. I think it, it plays out what you're saying. I think makes sense in terms of the public presentation too. And you mentioned that br- kind of briefly. That so we have we have this this strong history of a very uh, of a st- more strident type apologetics approach. And then, like back in the '90s, and a, a, a new approach was was pioneered by by some people in Utah to say, look, in our services. We're we're going to we're not going to denigrate Mormonism in public and so forth. It's not about that. I think and I think the underlying value in that approach was we we want people to keep coming back. Yes. To hear the gospel, to engage the gospel, to engage the people of God, to, to feel at home here, so that they can hear and respond to the gospel. So the idea was how do we how do we help people? How do we remove the barriers that keep people from coming back? And so I've always been a a strong proponent of that, and, and and we talk a lot about, you know, reducing the cringe factor. Yes. Well, I think that principle is still valid, but I think as the culture changes around us, the cringe threshold maybe changes. Yes. Like what is cringe worthy and what isn't cringe worthy, and I think what I think what I hear you saying, Nate, is that some of the things that felt like really cringe worthy in the past may not be so cringeworthy to the LDS right. people who are walking in the door in in present. Am I reading it right? Absolutely. That, that's exactly what I'm saying. And I think because that is the case, it, it necessitates at least a conversation of maybe how do we approach our Sunday services with a little bit more direct language that that wouldn't be as cringeworthy mm-hmm. as it was when I moved to Provo in 2002. Right. Because the audience is is changing. The audience is yeah. changing dramatically. And, and and you know I think that I think people would have to figure that out in their own um you know context their their mini culture of where they're at in Utah. You know in terms of whether they're in St. George or Price or Provo or Ogden or Logan, I mean the uh, downtown Salt Lake that there's going to be a you know, variation within the larger context of Mormon culture, it's going to look a little bit different. Yeah. But, you know, in our setting, um, I'm on the staff at Alpine Church, and we're in northern Utah, north of Salt Lake, and um, and we've been grappling with this forever, you know, because we say, well, well, we have resources, we have, you know, we'd like to um, announce the Faith After Mormonism Conference, you know, that a couple years ago it was held in our campus, um, we'd like to announce that. How do we announce that in public? Right. Or how do we, you know, announce something that would be meaningful or really helpful to those people right. in public? Then, you know, if we're if we're careful about not, you know, uh, about avoid, avoiding the cringe factor, then we have to we've had to grapple with. Well, at the same time, then are we taking away the opportunity to let people know about things that could be really helpful to them? Right. You yeah. know. And so we've had to we've kind of come up with a, a current approach, whatever it's the best we can do, where we've kind of framed it in terms of that idea that hey, we recognize a lot of people are going through faith transitions in Utah right now. Yeah, you know that's not a surprise. You know, uh, everybody understands that, right? So we can say that. Yeah. And, and what we said we've said is that, and our in our experience, a lot of people who are going through that, or a lot of people who are reevaluating their faith commitments or whatever. 
you know, they show up at Alpine Church. Yep. And so again, we're saying, well, we're saying that you know that they people have made a choice to be here. People have made a choice to be on this journey. Um, and so we say, well, then maybe maybe many of you or some of you are here today mm-hmm. because of that. Well, we want you to know that we have resources available for you, right, to help you um, figure out your journey. Sure. And so we're saying, well, let's just be honest about the journey. Um, we're not framing ourselves as opponents right. to Mormonism. We're framing ourselves as being allies to the people who are walking that transition. It's a great way to put it. Uh, the opponents versus allies language. I like that a lot. Now, the true blue LDS are probably going to still see us opponents no matter what. Sure. The fact that the fact that LDS people showed up at our church, uh, the fact that we're you know acknowledging them and so forth. But you know. We have. We always have to. We're always grappling with like, again, who's the audience we're talking to, and how far do we go to make it feel like a safe place for whom, you know? Because some of those true blue, they're, they're never gonna really li- be listening to us anyway, probably in the first place. Well, and there's there's a difference between a true blue boomer Gen Xer and a true blue millennial. Very true. That's I a have, great point. I have a, a good friend who's a true blue mo- uh, millennial. He's, I don't know that he's a bishop. He's been in the bishopric. I got a text from him uh, about three weeks ago. He said, hey, Nate, you still at this church? Can you give me the information? Uh, we have a couple in our church who's really expressed their, um, their, their need for something different than the LDS church. Even that language yeah, yeah. Even that admission. Right? Right, yeah. A need for something different, as if... It, well, we acknowledge as Christians the impact that postmodernism yeah, has had sure. upon the evangelical church. That same impact is there for the LDS Absolutely, millennial. yeah. And so it's like, you know, this, this language of people having their own truth, that, that language exists within within the LDS framework for millennials. Yeah. And so he said, "Hey, I would love I'd love to send him your way." I know he was in the bishopric. Yeah. That that would have never happened mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Yeah, that's Provo. huge. Yeah, that reminded me of something that happened a few years ago, not too long ago, maybe 4 or 5 years ago. There's a woman in our church who had uh joined the Mormon church in her college years. She's now a senior citizen, so she was Mormon for years and years and years, raised her kids, LDS, and um, eventually she came out, came to faith through crisis in her life and so forth, but she's been a Christian for 20 years. And um, she happened to meet the bishop of her ward, that the ward she lives in. He was visiting a neighbor on her block, and she said, oh, yeah, yeah, I used to be LDS, blah, 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 and went through the whole thing. And um, the, the bishop invited her to come in and said, you know what, you probably want to have your name off the records of the church, let's just tidy that up, and I'll facilitate that for you, you know, and and there's no point in you, you know. And I thought, that's an approach I have not seen before. No. Before it was like, you know, it was like, what, you want to take your name off the records? You know, we're going to pressure you not to do that. Right. Or threaten you or whatever. And so this was real, or or just uh, stall the the process. So that was, uh, I think, that re- what you said reminded me of that, because it was kind of a, a symptom of this sort of newer attitude among many Latter-day Saints yes. about p- 
people who leave. That takes us kind of full circle to where we began. I think there's a an interesting nuance to all of that, though, that I think is really important that we bring this up. I don't believe, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here at all, but I do not believe my friend would have that text message sent to me if I had approached the LDS people in my life with any sort of antagonism. Yeah, that's a great point. Mm -hmm. This trust, he trusted you. He trusts me, and he knows that we've had good conversations about faith, uh, where I've presented the gospel, and we've been able to talk about things that we disagree about in agreeable fashion. Mm-hmm. I think this is a this is an important thing that for those of us who really care about reaching LDS people, we're not just reaching people in the present, but we're we're creating a kind of a a nuanced approach that allows people to see in the future that that, that can be a trustworthy ally for someone Perhaps it's them, but perhaps it's someone else, like in the case of my friend who's in the bishopric, a, a trusted ally outside of my my own faith. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an incredibly important thing that that's we have to be careful about as we engage uh, our neighbors, our coworkers, that we don't we we don't come across in sharing the 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 good news with an antagonistic approach. Right, because then we undermine the efforts of other people in the future, and we, we maybe uh, make it harder for someone to be open in, in the future. Yeah, that having, that big, having the long view in mind, I've, I've, I've always thought that is really a big key to ministry in Utah, and I, and I appreciate you pointing out one particular way that the long view becomes important to understand. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So what other ways can churches or church leaders really be engaging well with some of these shifts in the trends? Um, we mentioned a couple of things. We mentioned the, the, the dialogue may need to change or may be able to change, both on kind of a one-on-one small level as well as the, the public Sunday gathering. But what else, what else can churches do uh, in this time? You know, I think... Uh churches can really encourage their people to have these these conversations that are gospel-centered, kind of holding grace and truth in this tension, right? Um, being, being gracious in our approach, but sharing the message of grace and all of its truth um, without antagonism. And I think... I think a lot of the larger churches that have done a great job of reaching LDS people over the last 20 years have this approach kind of on a Sunday level, mm-hmm. but then mentoring their people to have this approach at work, mm-hmm. at, at, you know, in the, in the neighborhood, at the block party. Yeah, that's a great point. I think that's, that's a next level approach because I would love... LDS people to have thousands of allies for when their shelf breaks. Yeah, absolutely. As opposed to, well, maybe I can go find something at this church. And that being said, we have a number of people um, that that are coming to Lifestone right now who have shared that not all of their uh, evangelical church experiences after leaving are favorable. They're experiencing 
something. And I don't know if it's outright antagonism. I don't know if it's just there's an awkwardness, but they're expressing that when they come to Lifestone that this is something different. Uh, I've had probably four or five couples since Easter express that same thing who have attended churches in, in the area. And they just said this, this, uh, the approach of those churches is not as welcoming for some reason as to us, to this, to, to the demographic that we are right. people leaving the LDS right. church. Okay. So that's great, Nate. Cause I, that, that creates an assignment for you. Okay. <laughs> as you, as you talk to those people, I mean, you don't have to do this, but I think it'd be a great conversation to have at a, a future time to kind of gather that data mm-hmm. and hear, you know, maybe the next level of some of those people and what it was without without calling out names of churches or anything, sure. but but what it was in their experience that was lacking that, you know, thank God that they found at Lifestone, you know. And uh it would be a great conversation to have to help maybe to help churches think through right their approach to this audience and think through their standard practices and maybe things that that our church has been doing that are become part of our culture that we haven't really thought about yeah you know so that'd be a great conversation to have in the future if we can you know get some maybe a little uh, more data on on that uh, topic would be great I have had some of those conversations I am not as data driven as probably you are Ross <laughs> but I'm I'm very relationally driven yeah. and here's the very interesting feedback that I keep getting. It's I don't know. There's a vibe. Yeah, that that's okay. <laughs> yeah, so th- that's our advice to churches in the future. Is you know you got to get the vibe. <laughs> we can't I, tell you how or what, but we yeah, that's pretty good. It's interesting that they don't they don't particularly know why they didn't feel it. What it was, yeah. I I attribute it to the um, the layover test. Are you familiar with mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. The layover test is you meet an individual, and if you got stuck and you had a long layover at an airport, you uh, go and have uh, have dinner with them or a lunch with them or drink, whatever. Um, that that's the kind of person you want to engage with. Hmm. Yeah, and I think I think there's that's what they're talking about when they talk about the vibe. Is this there's a sense of whether it's welcome. There's a sense of of not being overly aggressive in that welcome. Uh, we we talk about the 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 need for a lot of anonymity. Yeah, for at, sure. In our in our church culture, so I don't know if they sense that we're giving them the an- anonymity. Like we keep the lights really low, and people go sometimes are like, especially uh, Christians for a long time. Hey, I'm having trouble seeing my Bible here, and we're saying, yeah, it's not for you. I'm sorry. Uh, tell them just to get the app on their phone. They'll be fine, you know. <laughs> we get the app on your phone. We've got all the verses on yep. the screen. But but really that ability with the lower lighting for people to go, I'm going to go sit in that corner. They probably still want someone to say hello to them, mm-hmm. but they don't want to be accosted to yep. become a member of the church. I remember yep. one person's experience saying, they went to a church and they asked them if they would, uh, in their words, uh, if they would uh, consider a calling in the first week they were there. <laughs> so someone said, yeah. "Hey, would they're you like to serve?" They're recruiting right away. Yeah, yeah. And, they, and 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 he he took it as they were trying to be you know, shove me into a calling <laughs> right, in right. week one. 
Right, and they're because it, you have to understand they're responding against uh, you know a pretty uh, controlling hierarchical approach to church. Right, you know, and, and they don't they don't want to. They're uh, I think what we've discovered is a lot of people they walk into the doors of our church. They're that's in the back of their mind pretty prominently is like, is this church going to try to control me? Yes. Are they going to run me into membership? Are they going to you know? Um, are are they going to try to you know, get their hooks into me in some way or another that I can no, can't escape, and that's um, that's there for real. Yeah, they see they see that um, connection as also a high level of accountability from their experience. Yeah. So whereas an evangelical might just see, hey, I I I'm passionate about kids and I want to go serve in kids ministry. Um, they're looking at that. Well, well, now they got their hooks in me. There's right. a because they come from a high accountability hierarchy, right? right? Exactly. That makes yeah. sense. So I look at it like, the way I feel about it is exactly like when I go into the big box hardware store or something like that. I go into Home Depot or something. Um, I don't want a, a salesperson hovering over my shoulder. Right. But when as soon as I want them, I want them now. You know? <laughs> yes. Uh, as soon as I have a question or I can't find um, the thing I'm looking for, which, you know, then, then I want, I don't want to have to wander around the store looking for like somebody in an orange vest to, who can right. ask me, a, who I can ask a question. And so I, I think that, again, there's that anonymity. I want to be anonymous until I don't want to be anonymous. Correct. And, and so I think there's a mentality there in, as we serve these people in church to understand that, yeah, that their anonymity and their control of the process is really important to them because they didn't have that before. Right. And, and, and yet we want to be welcoming and kind and friendly as much as we can, but they have to be able to set the tone on that a little bit for us. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think we have to turn the pressure off a little bit mm-hmm. with people. Uh, they, f- they feel as if they're under a microscope when they walk through the doors of our church and just dialing back the pressure. A lot of times, even when we give a, a gospel invitation, I know at Lifestone is we try to say, hey, we're, we're inviting you into what Jesus is inviting you into and, and all of the, the nuances with the gospel presentation. But, but uh, we give them the opportunity to approach us. Uh, Pastor Ben, myself, will be back over here, and if that's something you want to talk about, we, we'd enjoy that conversation mm-hmm. with you. Yeah. yeah, it's really about who's, who's driving the religious journey. And so often Latter-day Saints have left, if, if they've left Mormonism, they've left a religious experience where their leaders are really driving the journey for them, and they were just kind of along for the Great ride. Point. Okay, I'm going to serve in this calling. Okay, I'm going to do this thing with my family. Okay, I'm going to go to this barbecue. Okay, I'm going to do this. Uh, and it's it's motivated by the leadership or the structure. And, and now... What I really want people to to do is be self-driven to follow Jesus. It's not that they're uh, being uh, cracked by a whip by by other religious leaders, but rather they're motivated on their own to say, I want to see Jesus. I want to follow him. I want to know him. Sure. And so some of the anonymity can make space for, for individuals to take ownership of their spiritual journey and not just jump on the bandwagon and follow along. Right. That's a really good point. And I think the corollary to that point is that then we have to be able to trust the Holy Spirit can deliver the goods. Right, mm-hmm. yes. so we don't have to rely on 
any kind of sense of pressure. I mean, there is an urgency for sure, but we have to trust that even if I don't rank, uh, ramp up the pressure, the Holy Spirit can really bring about the result, um, and, he'll, and He can tell, help me to know how to be involved in that. But I have to trust the Holy Spirit because I've taken my hands off a little bit. Yeah. And I think there's a positive side to that, and there's also the hard side to that, because the truth is, is I see families come in, and some of them come because they're leaving the political activism of the LDS Church, they're leaving the political uh, social issues behind and embracing new social issues, and a lot of times they want to have, they come, they, they, they have a sense of belonging before they, they have a clear belief. And, and those social issues become the hierarchy in their, their faith decision. And we just have to, with open hands, you know, present the gospel, present truth. Like I said, that, that tether and tension between uh, grace and truth with them. And know that some people are not going to continue with us. Right, because uh, actually, because we're not, if we're true to biblical values, we, we can't adopt that, that full social agenda that maybe they're looking for, right? right? So we have to be honest about that. Right. Kind, honest, gentle, but honest, yeah. 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 Our, our audience includes both churches and church leaders, as well as just everyday individuals. How can the everyday individual who's a follower of Jesus um, also learn from some of these lessons that we're talking about? How can, how can individuals engage well with active Latter-day Saints or those who are one foot in one camp um, or those who have fully left? I think there's a number of things that someone can do if they're really interested in, in uh, engaging the Great Commission in their neighborhood, in their workplace, school, whatever. Um, I think one of the, the key components is understanding the culture around you, get more familiar uh, with their worldview, their belief system, so that you can confidently speak about both belief systems. I, I think the confidence that comes from that allows for uh, some compare and contrast conversations where the truth gets out there, but but it doesn't have to come in an antagonistic tone. Uh, we tend to get a little bit more rattled when we're not confident Yeah, in, in yeah. any discussion that yeah. we have, right? Mm -hmm. And so... If you, can, if you can start to become a little bit more confident with the culture around you, what you believe, what they believe. Um, I love how one of the pastors in Provo is doing some really incredible ministry studies. Like, I have the home court advantage in every conversation because the gospel is always on my side. And I love that perspective. And if you can have that kind of confidence that he does, he's like, I'm willing to engage any any discussion because the gospel is always better yeah. than what they're what someone else is bringing to the table, and not in an arrogant way, just in a beauty, goodness type of way, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think I think the other thing that people can in, in, can do is just be intentional. Begin one of the movements that we've tried to do with Loving Utah and um, specifically at Lifestone is uh, we started challenging people to start prayer walking and oh pray, yeah sure praying for opportunities within with their within their own neighborhoods and seeing where God might be at work and stirring up conversations. I'm always amazed that when I when I give that particular issue to God like. 
hey, I haven't talked to anybody about my faith recently. I haven't shared the gospel recently. As I pray, trusting the Holy Spirit, I will end up having conversations that I never foresaw. Mm-hmm. And so I think engaging in that type of prayer uh, specific to that is 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 it really in, uh, joining the adventure mm-hmm. with keeping in step with the Spirit? You know, mm-hmm. where is He at work? Yeah, God's at work in your neighborhood. He's in a, He's He's at work in your co- in, in your workspace, um, and and just allowing Him to open those doors. Yeah, recently I've I've kind of had to shift the way I think about engaging in various spheres uh, with the gospel. I've started putting it in terms of I'm going to I'm going to go out and I just want to see what God is doing and I want to come alongside him. And when I have that perspective, if I don't happen to share the gospel with anyone, it doesn't mean it's a failure of the day, but right. I'm I'm looking for where is God working? And if God's working in such a way where oh, I really need to share a message of hope with this individual, this neighbor, this coworker, then I want to be faithful to do that. But maybe God's leading in a different way because he's doing something else and I want to be faithful to do that. Right. Yeah, I don't think we want to put on a uh, kind of a legalistic approach about that, but a a very um, faith-driven approach of, 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 like you said, where is that, where is God at work, which Reminds me of that old Henry Blackaby uh, study, um, experiencing God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he was one of the first ones. I mean, he may be the one who co- coined that phrase, hmm. but man, that's that has been uh, the way I have approached uh, neighborhood coworker um, out in the out in the community ministry as well. It's just like God, where are you at? Where are you at work? I don't want to force this. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been an incredible conversation. I really appreciate the insights that you're bringing as you see and engage with Latter-day Saints on all steps of the journey. So thanks for joining today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, guys. Again, this is the CultureWise podcast, where God's good news meets the Latter-day Saints with wisdom 